Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, Episode 96, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. A high school teacher came up with a brilliant way to talk to her students about mental health. And did one district go too far with their active shooter training? Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, why doing away with homework may be the right move with some math students. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire, Lissa Pruitt. Lissa, how are you doing? I'm great. How is school going for you so far? You are almost done, right? No. We no? Have like 35 days. Th- I mean, who's counting? We are. <laughs> <laughs> That's 35 classroom days. Yeah, 35 classroom days. So, um, And by the time this goes to air, it'll probably be even less than that. But I guess so state te- testing's coming up, right? Oh, yeah. And like, is that a stressful time or is it a time of it's something different and it's nice? Uh, no, it is definitely stressful. Our school does it a little different. A lot of schools do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They test, 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 and knock it out in yeah. three days. Ours does a staggered, like, you know, coming up in two weeks, we have a test. Then there's like a week and a half. Then we have another test. Then there's a week and a half. Ours staggers it out, which I think is makes it less stressful. Yeah, so what is the the biggest stress on a teacher when it comes to testing? What the results will be? Or? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, being judged, absolutely, being judged. and And just the, you know, just the... But knowing that the child knew it, you know, that they're just not reading that one word that says not, like which one of these is not an example, right. you know, and they're they're not reading that or something, you know, stressful like that. But I mean, Nick, you wouldn't believe the crackdown on testing as far as infractions, you know, and audits. Like, what do you mean we are not even allowed to have our, our cell phones in the building. Really? Used to, you had to have your electronics off. Like the adults? And your, yeah, the teachers yeah. and the proctors. You know, you have to have two people for a room. Yeah. So you're proctoring the test. But you used to just have your devices over in your bag. No, we leave them in the car. You can't even walk down the school hallway right. while testing is in a room with a cell phone in your hand. That's an infraction. Yeah. Like, it's it's insane. That like, is insane. Yeah, it really is. I think and, I saw an email go out saying they needed more proctors or something like that. Yeah, they do. If if you can proctor at your school, wherever you are out there, you should totally proctor. <laughs> I mean, what type of commitment is that? It's usually like a four hour commitment, and you just you have to walk around and monitor the room. You, have do you to get do like a, a ruler to like little, hit kids on the back of no, the head or anything with? No, but you have to do a small little training. But I mean, the tests are never allowed to be under one person's care. Yeah, it's always two people. And wow, huh? Yeah, S- sounds intense. Are we ready to hop into the teachers' lounge? Yes, this is a tough topic. Um, actually, we just, uh, in our local schools, a child took their own life last week. And it seems um, all too common. Yes, and it was a sixth grade student, I, which I don't is remember shocking. this when I was... Sixth grade to me is so young. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, they're all young. I mean, obviously. Right. In the overall grand scheme of things. Um, 
but um, there is a teacher that um, has shared a picture of something that she started in her classroom to help kids, you know, open their eyes to other people's needs and struggles and just to be more open instead of introverted. It's just such a a way in middle school to just shell off from everyone else, mm-hmm. even your own family. Right. And so she made this chart, um, kind of a visual chart. It's very close to, we had, I think, on the um, podcast weeks and weeks and weeks ago where cute little video where you see a child, the children are lining up to enter the classroom and they point on a chart outside the door of what they want the teacher to do. Do they want the teacher to do their special handshake? Mm-hmm. Do they want the teacher to give them a hug? Do they want the teacher to, you know... But they point to the chart like in a nonverbal way. That's right. Yeah. And they So as they enter the room for the morning, they point of like, this is what I'm feeling, yeah. you know? Um, and it's really cute. It's been shared and shared, and yeah. our school does it. It's really cute. It's a cute way to meet the children where they are. Right. So this teacher, um, probably should say her name, huh? Let's do it. Okay, so Erin Castillo is a high school teacher in the Bay Area High School. That well, might be San Francisco. It might, might be, be Bay I, St. Louis, Mississippi. I feel like it's San Francisco. It's probably San Francisco. <laughs> so she decided to make a chart that kind of plays on that. And it's just a visual chart. You can see if you if you attach it to our show, um, you can see a visual if you want to make one of these yourself. But it says the mental health Mm check-in. This is for middle schoolers and high schoolers. Okay. There's a line that says, I'm great, with a red heart. There's a line that says, I'm okay, with a blue heart. I'm meh, with a yellow heart. I'm struggling with a green heart. I'm having a hard time, and I have a lot on my mind. So so it's Um, like like a chart. It's like a grid? It's a chart, and so they stick a a post-it note on their... They stick a post-it note next to what they are. So it kind of makes a bar graph. Yeah, and we'll link to a going. picture in the show notes. Yeah, so it's, it's a very easy chart that you can make, very colorful. Um, so it makes a, a basically a graph to where everybody has a visual in the so, classroom of, whoa, the class as a whole th- that was my, is my having question. a hard time. Right, so, I mean, so you see kids that they're great, you know, at the top, and then you kind of work your way down to kids. That what's the bottom category? What, like, what's the the toughest category? I have a lot on my mind. I'm I'm having a really hard time. I feel, yeah. Um, let's see. So they're showing several different ones. But okay, so um, that's the kind very of the very very last lowest mm-hmm. is I'm in a really dark place. Okay, I'm in a really <laughs> dark place. So so kids go up there and they put their their post-it note on one of these categories. Is the goal for the teacher to be able to go, oh man, that child's in a dark place. I need to talk to them. Or is it more so the classroom says, okay, well, we don't realize what these kids, our, our, coll- our, our colleagues, our peers are going through. Both. It, I think it's helpful for a child that's in a dark place to realize that they're not the only one. Yeah, that's true. A lot of times children feel like when they, you know, are getting screamed at all morning long by their parents before they even get to school. They feel like their parents are the only ones that do that. And sadly, that's not the case. Um, So it does help open up to a a nonverbal way to ease into maybe a class discussion. Right. Like maybe on a day that you see that you have a lot that are struggling. Maybe you just say as the teacher, hey, I noticed today that quite a few of you are really struggling. What's going on? And probably it has to all do with some of the same things, like 
well, we're all stressed because it's the end of the nine weeks. Right. And all the teachers have loaded us down with so much homework and so much tests to cram in grades at the end of the nine weeks. And we're really affected by it. Right. You know, hey, what a great discussion to have with your class and you as the teacher to be like, okay, you know what? We don't need to do that to these kids. Yeah. They're humans too. Right. They have lives outside of here too and responsibilities. So it's as a whole for the class to be able to look and just as a visual know I'm not the only one. Yeah. But also it helps the teacher to realize. And then there's one, there's even one space that says, I wouldn't mind you checking in on me. Like right. you're inviting the teacher yeah, to come talk good. to you. Yeah. You know, like maybe it, you would like to get something off your chest. Does the article say like if the students do this when no one's looking? Okay, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I should have said that. So the post-it notes, your name is written on the back. Okay. But it sticks to the to the board. Yeah. So you see how many are in each section, yeah. but you do not see anyone's name. Only the teacher is allowed to But see even the like names. the act of going up there, you know, I have my post-it note. True. And then I like stick it on the bottom row. People will see that, I guess, but I mean, there's enough going on in the classroom sometimes where you can kind of sneak over there, I imagine. Well, I mean, honestly, Nick, this is the problem. So you saying, oh, you know, I've got this post-it note. I'm yeah, going to sneak be a, it over there. There shouldn't be no, a no, stigma. No, 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 We've yeah. lost our sense of community in school. Yeah. So, no, we, we have to get it back. And yeah, that's, that's how true. it starts. Like, you're, that's your family. You're with them all day. Yeah. You know, they're with you more than they're with their family. So... So you gotta you gotta have those conversations. You gotta have that sense of community where you lift your brother up. I mean, right. that's how it goes. So this teacher, she posted this on like what Twitter or what? Yeah, I think um, so. She posted it, but it was I think what really made it like you wow. know I don't do the tweets and all that that you do, Nick. But like it made it like catapult into crazy. I think six hundred thousand somethings um, was because of suicide awareness prevention um, post. Uh, that that actually tagged her chart right. kind of as a, hey, hey a here's idea. something you should start or do. Yeah. Um, and so then the, the photo ended up being shared over 162,000 times, and it sparked a discussion with 14,000 comments. Wow. So, um, and I mean, you know, the, here's something that I'll say with suicide. Um, nobody knows what to say after the fact, and everybody... Right. Nobody thinks it's going to happen to their homeroom, right, or their school, right. Um, but when when this happened in our school, in my son's middle school, he's an eighth grader, so he didn't know the sixth grade child. But my older son, who's a senior, said, "Well, yeah, it's um, it's suicide season." And I looked at my older yeah. son and said, "What?" And he said, "Statistically, this time of year is where there's a spike." In suicide, I don't know why um, he he couldn't really explain to me why, but he his counselors have dis, they are aware of it and have talked to the children. They've mm. had assemblies to try to keep spirits high during this time of year. Mm. But I I didn't even I'm an educator and I didn't even know that that was a thing that that was a right no a, I didn't that there was a spike at this right. time of year with students. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, so it's a, it's a tough topic, but uh, a little bit of a silver lining there with the idea of just being open about it and, you know, uh, giving a place for uh, children to communicate. Um, I'm going to keep it kind of heavy on this one because um, this story was a few weeks old, but uh, and it actually made national headlines. The uh, article I'm, I'm looking at comes from uh, U.S. News and World Report, and it was about the uh, Indiana teachers. Did you hear this? Who went through the shooting drill? No. Um, it's the new law passed and they had this, um, shooting drill to prepare the, the teachers and the coaches right. for emergency situations. But apparently during the drill, they were shot with plastic pellets at close range. And a lot of teachers had, um, like welts on their backs and well, stuff. Yeah. So uh, saying that, is this going too far or is this the type of training we need? Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, maybe we're taking this out of context. Mm -hmm. Maybe part of this training was to know kind of what it might feel like if you are shot, to know how to react afterwards, to still still be able to be effective, maybe. Um, I know that a lot of the schools that have these trainings, it's only a few teachers on staff that are the ones that handle the firearm so I doubt it's like everybody, you know, shooting pellets at a whole staff of teachers. Mm -hmm. So you have to be willing and say that you feel comfortable to go through that training. We don't have that at my school. If we do, I don't know about it. I mean, there's there's some teachers that I know I wouldn't cross at my school outside of school. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure they know how to handle themselves. I'm not one of those teachers. But, mm -hmm. um, but I do think, wow, I mean, that unless... If, if it was a part of the training to know what to do if you've been hit, then I can see where they need to shoot pellets at teachers. But otherwise, no. The uh, the Indy Star reports, the incident um, acknowledged in testimony this week before state lawmakers was confirmed by two elementary school teachers in Monticello who described an exercise in which teachers were asked by local law enforcement to kneel down against the classroom wall before being sprayed across their backs oh with God. plastic pellets without warning. They told us, quote, this is what happens if you just cower and do nothing, said oh. one of the two teachers, both of whom asked the Indy Star not to be identified for concern of losing their jobs. Um, they shot us all across our backs. Um, I was hit four times. It hurt so bad. Um, oh, yeah, this gosh. this to me seems like anytime. All right. There's, you have drills. That's not a drill. No. Right. Like, I mean, a drill. No. You, when you do a fire drill, do you set the place on fire? You know, you can that still learn awful. without injuring an employee. And hopefully this is um, an isolated incident of uh, maybe a local law enforcement using bad judgment. Yeah, yeah, using some bad judgment. Um, but even so, like, I mean, I've, I've played paintball. Paintballs hurt, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> um, so it's like, it's like how... I don't know, but this isn't important. This is a, an epidemic. This is a yeah. problem we have in our country. So, so yeah, the, the question is, you know, at what point do these drills, these exercises go too far? Well, I know at the beginning of the year, we all go through safety trainings and video modules and stuff. And this year, one was um, kind of focused on teachers that do not react out of fear. Mm -hmm. You know, they kind of highlighted a few situations where um, – you know, even like Columbine where the librarian would not go lock the door, even though she was on the phone, you know, they were telling her just go lock the door, but she was, she was so scared, you know, to go lock the door. Right. Um, 
and you know, sadly, she passed away, and many other students. And so they they kind of go through that, and they really do put the fear in the teachers to say, like, if you had just locked the door, if you had, and they go through all these statistics of all these school shootings, and they show you a diagram mm. of hallways. And these doors were locked and these doors were open and here's how many died in each room. And they really, they really do try to tell us as teachers, like, you have to react. You know, even if you're scared, you have to react. But I think that is yeah. definitely factual and, you know, they're, they're trying to get a point across, but... I would never, I, I would never go kneel in the front of the room and let somebody That's shoot just a pellet it too. at me. Like, as I've gotten they older. They would get two middle fingers up from me. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> as, when I was younger, like in college, you're in a fraternity, they make you do stupid things and you don't, it, now I look back on it and I'm kind of like, if somebody tried to make me do that stuff now, I'd be like, no, <laughs> like, uh, try no. me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like us as adults and teachers or any profession, you know, when somebody tries to put you in a position that's just not right, speak up. Say right. something. You you will win at the end of the day. Um, well, yeah. Maybe maybe you won't win that short battle right goodness. there. But um, anyhow, um, are you ready for the uh, bright idea? Yes. Is it bright? Yes, it's bright. Our guest in today's bright idea segment is a math teacher at Frederick High School in Maryland. Kareen Patak and her colleagues have spent the past five years working to find the formula to improve math scores among struggling math students. And that meant challenging instructional methods and cutting back on math homework. That's right, math homework. Green, welcome to Class Dismissed. Thank you for having me. Um, now, you wrote this great story. Uh, I found it in uh, Mathematics Teacher, and I will link to the actual full story in our show notes. But first, I want to kind of set the stage for our listeners. Um, if I understand this right, you and your colleagues were hit with some sobering statistics back in 2013 related to a state assessment on algebra, right? Yes, absolutely. It was the um, At the time, it was called the HSA, High School Mathematics Assessment. Tell me about that. What, do you know those stats off offhand? Uh, well, for our kid, the, the kids we got in particular, it was a 0% passage rate. I think at the time, only 40% of our students passed. Um, but um, don't quote me on that because that may be off a little bit. Um, but it was worrisome enough that we needed to do something more targeted and um, more proactive. So, so the results weren't great. Did you see that coming? It was not the first year. Uh, we've had we've we've had our struggles with closing the achievement gap at the school. Um, so it it had been um, it, it's it's always been an issue. I think um, we just so happened to kind of converge all at once. <laughs> So that it was more of a of a chance um, encounter with um, other teachers that helped us make that decision to actually go forward and do something different. So, what so, was the the next step? Did you and your colleagues get together? Did someone say we need to have a committee to figure out what we need to do to lift these these test scores? Yes, um, we had at at the time um, the national teacher of the of the year had joined us um, and. We happened to talk at one point and and about you know students who we felt were being left behind and um, she and I started talking about what we could do about that and she um, she managed to convince the powers that be at the time that it would be a really good idea for four teachers to get together 
um, and start working on fixing this problem in particular. So we call them the the middle <laughs> middle range kids is what we were looking at. Kids who definitely have the ability, but somehow have, have been left behind. Right. And so we really wanted to target them. And so, <laughs> so you started surveying them, I guess, and, and just trying to find ways. And, and if I understand this right, as you were surveying them, you realized that they weren't doing their homework. When we um, picked the students who we felt would be most benefiting from what we were trying to do, that's we actually included surveys during the school year while we were teaching them. So the the idea with behind the homework was that we knew based on what we had experienced in the classroom before this program that students were not doing their homework, and we wanted to know why. What was preventing them from doing that? Because um, you know, clearly it, it was, it was not helping them at all. And it definitely was bringing down their grades because if they didn't do it, they didn't turn it in. And they also didn't know what they were doing in class. So it was, it was difficult for them to see the link between understanding and practicing. And so if, if the way I read the article, you, you all, you start hearing, you know, the reasons behind it and, mm-hmm. and you were somewhat empathetic, I guess, and, you know, a lot of yes. people listening may say, oh, well, they just need to do their homework, but, but it wasn't quite so simple, right? Right. It was not that simple. And um, we we realized that a lot of our students actually have lives outside of school that is beyond their control. Um, some A lot of them have to watch their younger siblings. A lot of them have to work in order to help their parents actually make the bills. That, that was part of the, you know, that was part of the empathy is the understanding that they weren't, they weren't um, working to get the latest iPhone. They were working to be helpful to their families. Um, and even if they are, <laughs> that's okay too. They they have a right to a life outside of school. And so we felt um, that it would be more of a benefit to really do the practice in class and give them the freedom to do what they needed to do after school without the stress of the homework on top of it. So so, so that breaks the norms. You, you all were going to say, all right, we're, we're no longer going to have mandatory required homework. <laughs> Absolutely. And so like you, you must have had to present this to somebody, um, (laughs) right? Yes. (laughs) How did that go over? It it went, actually, it was, it was just the right time and the right moment. And we captured the attention of the principal and she, she went with it. She said, you know what, let's, let's try something different because what we're currently doing is not working. And so what was your argument to the principal? I mean, did you say, look, the, these students, I don't know if remedial is the, the right word to put on them in terms of math. I think you guys break up into two different categories, but it's, yes. it's not the accelerated group of math students. And, you, and you're basically you're saying, if, if we're not practicing this with them, they're not going to practice at home by themselves. Is that, was that kind Absolutely. of the argument? Right. That was the argument. Yes. Yeah. And why, why was that? It's just they, didn't, they weren't building confidence at home, I guess? There, well, so if you look at a typical class um, class instruction, you would do a lot of lecturing during the class and then maybe do two or three examples. And then you would expect the kids to go home with, you know, 10 to 15 problems and work it out on their own. Well, they didn't have the opportunity to actually learn because really the learning process occurs while you're practicing the mathematics. And so it's hard for them to do that on their own. First of all, they also did not have resources that most of our kids have now. So they didn't have internet at home and they certainly didn't have um, what we have now in this school, which is one-to-one devices. They didn't have that either. Um, And also 
a lot of these kids came from families whose parents were working probably late at night or did not feel comfortable helping them with math homework either. So they would go home and they would have no nobody or no nothing to help them. So we felt it was more important to do that in class with them. We could target their, you know, their um, misunderstandings and also answer questions live is the way we looked at it. So yeah, kind of describe the the new structure of the class. You, you were saying the traditional sense, like it was broken into, you know, certain segments. What does the new classroom look like for math for, for you all? <laughs> so we we basically got rid of um, what we felt was not helping. So for example, the warm up period that um, a lot of teachers spend fifteen to twenty minutes on reviewing homework from the day before. Well, if you if you don't have that, then you can actually start scooting things up a little bit more. So we moved our instruction actually took place usually the last um, few minutes of class. So the last fifteen minutes of class, kids would get what we call notes on how tos. They're very short, brief, to the point. Um, very specific examples, we would take those notes because at that time we felt as well that um, by the time they reached the end of the block, their brains were pretty much <laughs> done. So it was easier for them to take notes then. So then when they would come in the next day, we would review those notes very briefly um, or do another activity. We had a lot of things that were very different that we kept rotating um, throughout the year. Um, and then we did the the bulk of the practice happened towards the middle of the class. And so the students had the opportunity to work on their own. They worked in groups. Um, they work online because we were the first class um, math class to have um, Chromebooks for everyone as well. So that was another thing that we did differently. Um, so they they had access to technology in class, and we didn't rely on them having access outside of class. So the bulk of the practice took took place in the classroom with us. And so the the best way to to see if this is working or not it is you know test results, assessment results. But yeah. and we'll get to that in a moment. But when you first <laughs> when you first started um, executing this new formula in the classroom did you mm -hmm. immediately see results could you like just as a teacher see things starting to click a little bit better in the students minds I think so I think because they had been in situations before where it was difficult for them to learn mathematics there was a little bit of reluctance at first to do something different but we got them to buy into it fairly quickly I think it took took us the first term to really for them to understand that we were working in their in their favor and so once they figured that out, it was it was almost magical. <laughs> you could see a shift in attitude and really a willingness to try things that were not they were not willing to try before, things that needed perseverance or were difficult. Uh, we included um, what are called um, complex instruction as well, which are open ended questions, which typically students who are struggle have a hard time even trying to answer. Uh, and so we saw we saw them just blossom and not necessarily in math test results, although that did happen, but also in their attitude towards mathematics. So they, they started thinking, I can do this. And when you when you saw that click, that's really when things started happening and, and really benefiting them. And what year was this when you were actually rolling this out? I guess the, the, the rough scores were back in 2013. Was this 14 or 15? Um, so this was 1516, uh, I believe, is the first year we did this. And then we did it again in um, 1617. 
And then since then, we the school has gotten technology and resources for most students. So we didn't we didn't get a chance to continue um, on that path. But we do we we have all kind of taken what we learned together into our own classrooms, and we still apply that to to, to today's <laughs> today's um, kids. So and so, how have the test results been? Did you see a dramatic improvement? Oh, we, that, that, the first two years we did this. Yes, it was, it was dramatic. We, um, so as I said, we went from 0% passage rate. A lot of our kids had taken the test several times already by the time we got, they got to us. Um, so it, we went from, um, 0% to 67% at the end of the year. Cause they had wow. two, we had two rounds of testing. One was in, um, December, if I remember well, and then one was later in the year. Wow. How does that make you feel when you, when you reflect oh, on it all? Well, you know, <laughs> although making making the, the improvement in the test scores was definitely a goal that we had for the school because that, that helps the school no matter what and it helps the students. I think we felt even better about when they left our room, um, their confidence in their abilities was such that we had students who went from what we call a merit level to an honors level classes. Um, I had some who came back later to us. Um, I saw one um, the year he graduated, so that was about two years later, and he said, "Miss Patak, thanks to you guys, I knew I could do mathematics, and I never thought I could before. Wow. So those, those, that's more what we were aiming for. <laughs> but we were obviously, you know, we were very proud to, to help them get to that point where they, they could pass that test, which is a graduation requirement. So it was definitely very important for them to pass it. Well, Karina, it is an awesome story, and we appreciate you sharing it with us. I definitely will link to it uh, in our show notes again if anybody wants to read the full Ooh, the you. full article. Um, if somebody wants to keep up with you, is there a place you like to interact with other teachers? Are you on social media or anything like that? Um, I'm on Facebook. If they look me up under my name, you can do that. Um, I don't have... Um, do I have an Instagram? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Sorry>. all right. <laughs> no worries. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. <laughs> good stuff. Well, but I don't think that's a really social. <clears throat> yeah, it's still you can still track people down on LinkedIn. I think, <laughs> I think so. Right. Um, and I do have a Twitter account if if they want to try that. That's fine too. All right. It's all under my name, Kareem Patak. So they, if they look that up, they can still find me. Well, well, great work there. Are you ready for our pop quiz? Absolutely. All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? English. Writing. Yes. Definitely writing. Okay. Um, (laughs) What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Problem solving. What does every child deserve? Justice. Equity. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? So the biggest challenge is keeping it relevant, keeping the subject relevant. Can, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, I know mathematics in particular, we just have so many contrived problems and situations. It's it's hard to adapt to the modern world and what real mathematics do. So I, I feel that we need to keep it more in tune with what you know what mathematics is really used for and that's that's hard to do at times <clears throat> what's the best gift to give an educator oh uh, thank you <laughs> I, that's, I agree with you that's good that's true 
Um, which teacher changed your life? My, well, so since I was going to school in France, it's actually my foreign language teacher and she was my English teacher. She taught me English um, when I was in middle school. And last question, pen or pencil? Oh, pencil. <laughs> All right, Kareem Patak, again, we appreciate you taking the time. It's a great story and, uh, and hopefully Thank others you. will look it up if they want to learn how you guys executed uh, all of your ideas there. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you. So if you want to send us an idea or a comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button. And we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter. Just search for us by typing in Class Dismiss. On behalf of Russ with School Status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ortega. Go and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.